Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host for today's podcast. My name is Tom Masters, and we have Dr. David Hanscom with us today. Hi, David. Thanks, Tom. It's always good to talk to you and to share some thoughts. And this one to me is, is, as you know, a particularly big one about how our misdiagnosis of anxiety is actually causing disintegration. To me, it's a big topic. And you, you have, you know, you've, you've, in many of your podcasts, you've, you've talked about uh, the effect that anxiety has on individual you know, in a, in a personal level, uh, the, the physical impacts that result from it. Uh, so tell us uh, what you mean by social disintegration and this concept of kind of a collective anxiety. Well, let me just review my concept of how anxiety works. And it's not my concept. The neuroscience research has been pretty clear on this. But when you have a threat, whether it's a mental threat or a physical threat, your body's programmed as a unit to survive. You have stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol. Um, you have endorphins, actually part of a histamines. What happens is that when you have a threat, your body creates stress chemicals to improve your chances of survival. You have a heightened awareness. You also have a sensitized, overactive nervous system. With animals, once a physical threat is resolved, anxiety drops on their way. Humans have a problem is that we have thoughts mental threats create the same physical reaction in the body. The problem that humans have is that we can't escape our thoughts. Every human being has this problem. So then we're trapped by our thoughts and we know and try not to think about something you think about it more. They become very embedded in our nervous system. We end up with it with a sustained adrenaline cortisol stress chemical response. Anxiety is that sensation generated by the body's stress chemicals that collective reaction, the survival reaction, is a million times stronger than the conscious brain. The problem in medicine right now is that we're treating anxiety as a psychological issue, where it's a really just a neurochemical response to the environment. It's a million times stronger than the conscious brain. You can't control it. We can't control it. When you're trapped, your body secretes more stress chemicals. You then become angry. Basically, anger is anxiety with a chemical kick. Now, the problem is that Anxiety is a sensation of feeling vulnerable. It's a survival feeling. We'll do almost anything to, to avoid that sensation. When you're angry, it feels powerful. And when you feel powerful, it actually covers up the feeling of anxiety. So when people say, well, I'm not anxious, well, what happened to me is that I was really not connected to it, an angry person. My anger played out in the form of perfectionism, of being endlessly self-critical. And when you're self-critical, that's basically a form of being a victim and being angry and agitated all the time. What happens is that when you're, that's the biggest problem with anger in that even though it's driven by anxiety, people don't want to give it up because then you have to feel anxious. People would rather feel angry and powerful than to feel anxiety. But what happens is that we keep trying to treat this psychologically. It's a million to one ratio. It's completely, completely ineffective. And each human being has this problem and they collectively it starts playing out in our society now go back in the history of the world technically we have less violence than we've ever had 
we have more media, so it seems like the violence that we do have is magnifying. But the history of the world is completely run by power and control. That's it. It's all about survival. Nations against nations, people against people, families against families. That's the history of the human experience. In modern times with neuroscience research, we actually know better that we don't have to kill each other to survive. We actually can calm down our own nervous systems. We don't have to stay angry to avoid anxiety. There are tools of decreasing the body's chemistry where you don't have to feel relentless anxiety. And therefore, you don't have to take action in, in, in an angry way to cover up this feeling of anxiety. We actually know this. But right now, we're still treating anxiety psychologically. It's just a sensation generated by the body's stress chemicals. I'll say that about five times. And the way you solve anxiety is you decrease the body's stress chemicals. Now, uh, you know, there's been, uh, many people feel like we're living in very uncertain times. You know, there's, there's, there's not the threat of direct violence necessarily, but there's a lot of political, social, and even uncertainty around the, uh, the issues of climate change. And right. that people are, are feeling maybe stressed out in a kind of a background way that maybe amps up their own personal um, their own personal anxiety. So would you, would you recommend that they basically follow this, the same principles that you've talked about in terms of lowering, lowering their, their, the same strategies they, you know, that you've talked about in terms of lowering anxiety associated with chronic pain, that it would also work to lower each individual's overall anxiety in this social context that we're living in? Well, I think that the medical profession in general, or I'll use the word society in general, using you know, the mental health world as far as the physical health world, they've got to get this right. In other words, these the sustained chemical response creates multiple physical symptoms, which trap you even more. The reason why you're trapped by chronic pain is that when you're full of stress chemicals, you double, you've doubled the nerve, you, you've doubled the nerve conduction, which doubles the pain. And so people are really, really trapped and they keep acting out. The key issue is creating the public awareness that anxiety is not psychological, that there are many, many different tools that actually calm down the body's nervous system. And if we could collectively teach us right into the school system, right from the beginning, bring this into the medical world, why we would actually solve the problem. And so... The problem is we keep, somebody has anxiety issues, we go to talk to a counselor, that conversation makes it worse because your tension is on the anxiety. Again, it's a million and one mismatch, you can't solve it. And really, my, I actually started a nonprofit a few years ago called Creating Connection in Class, but there's really excellent research by a gentleman, by a physician by the name of Copeland, C-O-P-E-L-E-N-D, who's written multiple articles on bullying. And it turns out there's actually a physiological reward for having more power. They, they drew a test called a C-reactive protein on students who were bullied. And what they found out is that the inflammatory marker, so words, a C-reactive protein is an inflammatory marker. When your body's full of inflammatory chemicals, that's a big problem. It causes cardiac disease, inflammation of the blood vessels, causes inflammation of the brain cells, actually causes shrinkage of the brain. Chronic autoimmune disorders, all those are, because, all those are indicated by the body's elevated C-reactive protein. It turns out that kids who are bullied 
and significantly elevated markers of C-reactive proteins compared to those who weren't bullied. But what was even more disturbing is that the bullies had lower levels of C-reactive protein. In other words, survival of the fittest is really key, which means more power, more chance of survival. And what's ironic is that when we go into the school system, we try to work on the self-esteem. But what you're doing, you're putting your self-worth at the mercy of another person who has a vested interest in putting you down to increase his or her self-worth. You have a horrendously slippery slope of everybody looking for other people in self-esteem. Everybody's looking for the same adulation and reinforcement of who they are. But the way you become more secure in who you are is that you feel better than the person who's trying to also obtain the same approval. And then it's magnified dramatically in this day and age with social media, et cetera, because that approval goes even higher. Then all of us have this called, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. And it doesn't matter what you have or what you do, you can't outrun your thoughts. That's where my proposal was to put these concepts right into the school system, right there, elementary school, first grade forward. The way you solve anxiety is that you directly decrease it with mindfulness, meditation, relaxation tools, or you train your brain to be less reactive to stress. In other words, instead of being stress automatic survival response, is stress choice and response. It's not positive thinking, but it's positive substitution. You can literally train your brain to be less reactive, your body full of less stress chemicals. As the stress chemicals drop, then the feeling of anxiety disappears. Now, I say, when I say disappears, I say the time in cheek because the goal isn't to get rid of anxiety. If you didn't have anxiety, you wouldn't survive. I mean, you have to have anxiety to survive. Somebody threatens you at a job or physically or whatever it is. You have to respond in kind. Anxiety is not going to go away. You don't want it to go away. But what you can do is there are many things that create anxiety that really are not real threats. You become aware of those, they call them cognitive distortions. And you literally just train your brain and just let go. Anger. Remember, a lot of people are angry. Remember, you're trapped by your thoughts. You're trapped by your circumstances. You're trapped by life in general. Your body's stress response is sustained. And then what's happening right now in our society, there's lots of anger, angry acts. Well, what's driving the acts isn't the situation. I mean, the situation is what it is, but it's this untreated anxiety that's causing this social disintegration. Then you have the mirror neurons effect where, you know, if you smile at a baby, the, the, when the baby smiles back, it's not because the baby's happy. It's because the baby is, that part of the brain has been triggered. So what happens is that if you're upset and angry, you walk through the door of your house or walk into work, that actually triggers those people, those parts of other people's brains. Instead of having this whole process of peace, love, and joy, creating the mirror neuron effect on the people around you, you have these angry circuits triggering other people's angry circuits. And again, you have this endless chain reaction that doesn't stop. That's why I know this may sound a little optimistic, until you learn how to deal with anxiety slash anger, world peace is not going to be possible. You can preach compassion, peace, love, and joy, which everybody knows is a good idea. But when you're triggered, all this stuff goes out the window. Because those are concepts that are rational compared to these survival reactions that are not subject to rational control. And you have to de-energize these angry reactive circuits. Then 
peace, love, and joy can is possible, not a given, but it's possible, but you have to de-energize that reaction. And as you start doing that individually, also in the classroom, also in the workplace, et cetera, then the mirror neuron effect can be equally as powerful reversing the whole process. But that key issue, and the reason why we're doing this podcast is that we've got to get the diagnosis of anxiety correct, teach people on a widespread public health basis to calm down their systems, realize that when you're angry and frustrated that you can't solve anything other than win or lose. And that's that's the key message today is that we have to teach us auto-regulation right there starting in grade school. So in a sense, what, what you're really saying is that this, this training around handling anxiety, you know, starting it in the school system and carrying it on through adulthood and into the workplace right. is really a public health health initiative similar to like vaccination was many decades ago. It's a, pre it's a preventative uh, for social disintegration or that collective anxiety that can be very destructive. Well, I think it's a much, much bigger public health issue because it affects everything. I mean, look at domestic abuse. I mean, why would you abuse a child or a spouse? Some that you quote love, why would you do that, right? And then, of course, there's lots of remorse involved. As you know, I was raised in an abusive background. Our mother loved us. Yet she had these unconscious survival reactions that were incredibly abusive and then incredible remorse afterwards. But then she was triggered again, more abuse. Again, understanding those triggers is really critical. Even though she intellectually didn't want to be the way she was, she couldn't help it. But we, you know, right now, we know from this called the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, that only one third of Americans have a household that's calm and quiet. Over a third of households have very abusive, unruly environments. Why would we do that? We intellectually know better, right? We know better. But yet when we interact with other humans, we keep getting triggered. And it's each person's responsibility to learn what those triggers mean and actually help de-energize this whole process. And that's what I mean by, you know, that's why it's a little discouraging when I hear people talk about world peace and there's this charter for compassion and, you know, compassionate cities, et cetera, which is all a great idea. But until we get to that basic core problem of these massively reactive, powerful triggers of how to deal with those, not suppress them, not control them, but learn how to not allow them to interfere with their day-to-day -day life, I don't see any hope for world peace. Well, maybe this uh, this initiative is is really the foundation that can eventually make that at least a more collaborative world, if not a completely peaceful world, but at least a more collaborative and enjoyable world and, and a less anxious world. Yeah, no, I think it, and I think we actually with modern technology, all the technology is create create an awareness that's create more anxiety in a way. The same technology can be used used to actually you know reverse the process. So would you, uh, in terms of getting this into schools, uh, would this be something that teachers would do, or is this something that requires special training or, you know, a special type of individual? Well, I would like to announce, you know, we're doing our Omega workshop this next June 7th through 9th. That's where the idea came in of putting this into the school system originally, because it's a three-day workshop probably 70% of people during that week can go to pain-free. And what it is, it's a structured environment where people feel safe. 
And we realized that the classrooms have some of the same structure. You have a structure and we put the simple tools in like writing relaxation, the um, teaching compassion, learning forgiveness, practicing them, sharing, etc. And we realized that in that Omega workshop that those same principles can be put right into the classroom. But we're doing the workshop we've had. This is our seventh workshop that we've done. It's at the, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. It's on the website about how to access, how to get to the workshop. But the answer is yes, those tools can absolutely be put right into the classroom. And they're not very hard. In fact, they're incredibly simple. Well, David, I, I want to thank you again for another very thought-provoking uh, podcast today. I think this is something that, uh, as a society, is could be incredibly, incredibly valuable. Um, and I want to remind our viewers, uh, too, that if for more information on this topic and other topics, uh, go to backincontrol.com and... Uh, you can also uh, listen to this podcast on blog talk radio forward slash back in control. So David, again, uh, thank you. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, another podcast session next week. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for back in control radio.